Good morning, church. How are you guys doing? I always say, sometimes you don't even need a speaker after good worship. I love some good worship. So I'm full this morning, but believe that the Lord has called me here to bring a word. Anybody ready for a word from the Lord today? So as Zach said, my name is Antonio Marshall, and I just want to give glory to God that I'm even in this place. Um, It was earlier this week that I celebrated my spiritual birthday. I got baptized 10 years ago, and I actually went to Olivet, and as I went to Olivet, I was not a Christian. Um, I would say that I believed in God, but later realized that really belief was something that I just really didn't understand fully. Um, And so I did not live out any sort of relationship with God at all, and it wasn't until my fifth year of school, I was in school for like five and a half years, God knew that I needed it. But it wasn't until my fifth year that I acknowledged Jesus as Savior and Lord, and then soon after that, um, I got baptized. Um, And now I'm able to be the chaplain of the university that whenever I went there, I wasn't wasn't even going there because of God. I was going there um, because of, of a basketball. But I say all that to say, look at God. He's still in the midst of changing lives. He's still in the midst of getting his people to the places that he has called them And I'm excited to be here this morning, and I have a question for you as we begin. What comes to mind when you hear the word lonely? I'm going to ask it one more time. What comes to mind when you hear the word lonely? Maybe you think of a person. Maybe you think, I myself am lonely. Maybe you think of a season of life that you have overcome, you think back to a season where you felt lonely. Maybe you think of a place. Maybe there is a place that comes to mind. I I looked it up on the internet, and it says that loneliness has been defined in different ways. A common definition is a state of solitude or being alone. And then it goes on to say the other definition is loneliness is not necessarily about being alone, It is the perception of being alone and isolated that matters the most. It is a state of mind, which means that you can be in a room full of people, and there could be some of us in this very room right now that are full of people, but yet you feel alone. And that is something that plagues at one point or one time, maybe has plagued us all. Mother Teresa says that loneliness and the feeling of being unwanted is the most terrible poverty. Whether that's you or whether that's not you, I want you to think about it in terms of the community. Because what is true is, in this church and around this community, there are a lot of people that feel alone. So I want you to hear that in light of the community that you are in, the community that you are called to serve. Loneliness and the feeling of being unwanted is the most terrible poverty, Mother Teresa says. In the book titled The Loneliness Solution, the author writes, loneliness knows no geographical boundaries. Loneliness is among the elderly. Loneliness is among the young. He says that you can, be, you can have a lot of friends and family members and still feel lonely. It's not limited to places on the globe or around the world that have less technology or even in the places that have more. One could even argue 
that it's in the places where there's little to no technology where authentic belonging and authentic community actually happens. Research shows that those with fewer relationships die sooner than those with more. And the influence of lack of relationships in one's life is comparable to the well-established risks of the mortality for those who maybe smoke or drink and even exceeds those who have little to no physical activity. Now, what I'm not, I'm not telling you this morning to go out and do those things, right? But I am telling you that, that that state of loneliness that you or someone that you know or the people in your life, um, in your community that are living in that place, they are living in such a mess in loneliness that it's just the same as those who would be drinking and smoking and living without exercise. And we see that members of the Gen Z population, those who are around 18 to 22 years old, they say that they are one of the loneliness gener- loneliest generations out. And from the inside, we would think that they're more connected because of all the ways that they can connect. And it's crazy because this study came out before the pandemic. So how much crazier would that be now? We sometimes live in this illusion that we are connected when we are really not. And I guess for us this morning, I just want to share that I I truly believe that there's nothing greater than one-on-one, small group discipleship where you get together in person. I believe that's still what God has called us to. And so today I want to offer a solution. I want to offer us a solution this morning because for some of us, maybe this hits close to home. Maybe we're living in it right now, or maybe we know someone who is living in loneliness, and I want to offer a solution to everybody say koinonia. Everybody say koinonia. You maybe have heard of that word before. It is a word, it is a Greek word that means fellowship. It means communion. It means partnership and participation. There is another translation of it. It's koinonos, and it is to describe those who are in ministry together partakers, partners, companions. And I believe that God is calling for the church and the people of God to embody that sort of belonging, that sort of relationship with him and with, other, with each other. And I want to share with you this morning that I believe that the belonging that God has called us to is so much different than a worldly fitting in. Because most teenagers, I don't know if we have any in the room, I'm talking to everybody, but most teenagers see that fitting in is really belonging. And I come to tell you this morning that it is not. Brene Brown writes that fitting in is assessing situations in groups of people, then twisting yourself in a human pretzel in order to get them to let you hang out with them. Then it says belonging is something entirely different. It is showing up. Everybody say showing up. Showing up and letting yourself be seen. Letting yourself be totally seen and totally known as you really are, whether it's you're a Bears fan or a Packers fan. Come on now. Whether you're a Colts fan or I know I'm in Indiana now. Whether you're a Colts fan or you're a Bears fan, right? I'll let you guys settle that yourselves. But these are the types of relationships that God wants for us. These are the type of relationships that God wants for your community at real life. That's why you have different types of small groups. 
That's why, you, that's why you are called to be multicultural and intergenerational and have these outreach things that you have because there's a world that's really searching for a belonging. There are people who are searching for a place of belonging. So this morning, I want to share with you a couple of scriptures. Um, it's really a hodgepodge of some scriptures that I've put together around this belonging. We'll walk through them as we go. Um, and so you're probably not going to be able to find them fast enough. So if you want to write them down as I'm sharing them, you can look at them later. But really just meditate on the words. So the first one is Philippians 2.1. It says, look at how much encouragement you found in your relationship with the anointed one. You were filled to overflowing with his comforting love. You have experienced a deepening friendship. Everybody say friendship. With the Holy Spirit. And you have felt his tender affection and mercy. 1 John 3, 1, 3 says, So we proclaim to you now what we have seen and heard about this life giver, so that we may share and enjoy this life together. For truly our fellowship is with Father and with Son Jesus and the Anointed One. If we claim that we share life with him but keep walking in the realm of darkness, we're fooling ourselves and not living the truth. But if we keep living in pure life that surrounds him, we share in unbroken fellowship. Everybody say unbroken fellowship. We're talking unbroken, Garden of Eden before the fall, fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, continually cleanses us from all of our sin. In 1 John 3, it says, look with wonder at the depth of the Father's marvelous love that he has lavished on us. He has called us and he has made us his very own beloved children. Beloved, we are God's children right now. However, it is not yet apparent what we will become. But we do know when it is finally made visible, we will be just like him, for we will see him as he truly is. Jesus, when he's praying, and John 17 says, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of this world, even as I am not of it. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And last but not least, 2 Corinthians 5.20, we are ambassadors. Everybody say ambassadors. We are ambassadors of the anointed one who carry out the message of Christ to the world as though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips. So we tenderly plead with you on Christ's behalf, turn back to God and be reconciled to him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is light to our feet and a lamp to our path. God, we thank you that we can rely on your word. And so I pray, Lord, that as your word goes forth, God, that your Holy Spirit would not just empower me, but empower us to hear, receive, and do what you are calling us to. In your name we pray these things. Amen. There was a faith community at First Baptist Church in Leesburg. They had this mission to accept a deep and personal relationship and responsibility and love for those who are in need. Sound a bit like real life for the region, for the world? 
This responsibility for them was grounded in an abiding sense of belonging and fellowship that they had with their community. They had this slogan, better together. And their better better togetherness enabled this group to open up a rescue mission in 1982. Today, that rescue mission now consists of seven facilities on four acres with 500 volunteers running that church ministry. These volunteers are motivated by a sense of belonging that they experience as a part of the church family. What a motivation to belong in such a way to a church family and for that church family to understand that God has placed them on mission in a place in such a way that they don't just belong to each other, but they belong to the region, right? They belong to the world, right? And because of that, they see their better togetherness affecting the world around them. Pastor Charles Rochelle says, the sense of belonging, he sums it up with this word, koinonia. And he goes on to say that koinonia is a deep sense of belonging to one another, which sustains people in the challenging and difficult work of serving the neediest. He says, if God's people are to witness and minister to a lost and hurting world, they must sustain that in the context of koinonia. Today, I want to submit to you guys that we were created to connect. I want to submit to you guys that this koinonia that you guys really have already been engaging in with talking in the one another's that you've been talking over this, this summer is what God really wants for our church. And that's going to be the thing, as Jesus prayed, that's going to show the world that God sent his son, Jesus. It will be our koinonia. It will be our belonging. It will be our unity. And so I have something for you this morning. There's a little link that I want to show you guys. I believe that every single one of us in the kingdom represents this link. And I truly believe that each one of us were created to connect. Like this link is really good by itself, but it is so much better when it's connected to so much other things. It can do so much more when it's connected. But I know just like this ring that it has whatever you want to call it. It spins open. And I believe that's kind of like our free will. And for some of us, life has hurt us. Life has hit us so much, whether it be trauma or whether it be something that we have had happen to us, that we've closed ourselves off. And it's become very, very rusty. And I'm praying this morning that God would open you up, use some DW40 whatever to get you to reopen yourself. Because God has something so much more for you than living closed off from community. And I'm praying that for some of you guys, you have been linked to the wrong thing. You have some activities, you have some habits in your life that you've been linked to that you really think you need to go through life. And I'm praying that God will open you up so that you can realize this is not going to be healthy for me. Living into this activity or living in this relationship or living in that sin is not going to be helpful for me. So I need to open myself up, take myself off of that and put myself in a community in a sense of belonging to the things that actually will give me the life that God died for me to receive. And I also find that there are families, there are people that are like, I'm good. I got a good relationship with God. I got a good family. Life is good. I just want to tell you guys, we need the church. The world needs you to be open because kids like me have never seen a healthy family. We've never seen a healthy marriage. 
We've never seen father and daughter, father and son relationships, mother and daughter, mother and son relationships that are healthy. How will we ever know what health looks like unless you enfold us in? unless you help us to get to your dinner table, unless you help them to see the realities. And so I want to say, whether it's you who are just absolutely alone, open yourself up this morning. Whether it's you who, who have put yourself on the wrong things, God, there's grace there first and foremost. There's no shame there. But God wants you to be connected to the things that are actually going to bring you life. And I want to say for those who are connected in a healthy way to the church, to family, God really needs you. I really, people really need you to enfold them so they can see what health, what a relationship with God, what a healthy marriage, what a healthy family looks like. And so this morning, I want to talk about three things, belonging to God, belonging to the family, and belonging to mission together. I want to talk about belonging to God and how that transforms ourselves. And then belonging to family and how that transforms communities. And then all of a sudden belonging to mission together and how that transforms the world. Number one, belonging to God. Everybody say belonging to God. In Philippians, it clearly says that we are called, we have this encouragement from a relationship with God. We experience comforting love. We have a deepening friendship. And then in 1 John, it says that we have been lavished on. We have been called, and God has made us his very own beloved children. And so my first point with this point is belonging to God is what we are created for. You can go all the way back to the very beginning. You see, in the first five days of the Bible, it says that God created. And God created everything that we see, feel, touch, and smell with three words. Let there be. Whatever he said after that just came to life. And I like to say that God created that with authority. God created with authority because all he had to do was say, let there be whatever he said afterwards it came. But after five and a half days of making everything with authority, what did he do? He stopped using his authority. He said, let us make. And he decided to use affection. And guess what he made? You and I. So from the very foundation of the world, he didn't create us with authority. He created us with affection. He, the Bible tells us that he had us as the centerpiece of his love. From the very beginning, we were created for a relationship of belonging with him. I don't know if you like the song Oceans or not, but I love the words of the song Oceans. For I am yours and you are mine. And that's the sort of relationship that God is calling us to have at our core and then belonging creates a deepening friendship. I don't know about you guys. I grew up, and like I said, I didn't have a relationship with God, but from the age of like 10, I went to a small church called Jordan Village Church of the Nazarene. We only had 16 people that would come. If we had 20, we were celebrating. When we had a fellowship, we'd have like 25 people. That was, a, that, that was like the highlight of the year. And I remember my dad, who didn't always talk much, my dad is really a loner. My dad sometimes would speak up and he would say, from our hymnal, can we sing 123? And I always knew, one, I knew, I knew what the actual, what, what the numbers were. Can I get an amen, anybody? I knew what the numbers were, but I knew what my dad was going to call. The song was, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. 
Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. We have a friendship with Jesus that we could come to him in any and every situation. It brings on fellowship, and last but not least, belonging to God changes the way we see ourselves. Because I don't know what life has thrown at you. I don't know what maybe a parent or a relative or a person has said about you that you have believed about yourself that's not of God. But I come to tell you, you are exactly who God says that you are. You are loved. You are called. You are chosen. You're not forsaken. Your name is who he calls you to be. When you understand those things, it changes how you see yourself. It changes how you relate to the world because you have this deepening relationship with God. You have this understanding that of who you were created to be, and it changes you. You start to become transformed by the renewal of your mind. And you start to really do what Jesus said when he said the second command is to love your neighbor as, I always read that wrong. I always read that as the way you selfishly think about yourself, I want you to like selfishly think about someone else. The way that you always are worried about what you need and what you have, that's the way I want you to love somebody else. I now realize that Jesus was saying, I want you to first understand how loved you are. I want you to first understand and be loved by me. And it's from that place of actually learning to love yourself that you're actually going to be able to call other people to the type of relationship that I have called you to. One theologian says it this way, you have to learn to love yourself the way God intended. You have to build a relationship with God who is love. And then remember your relationship with him is your ultimate relationship. So to summarize my first point, you can love your neighbor only at the level that you love yourself. You can really love yourself only when you learn how much God loves you, so belong to God. And the second point is to belong to family. After you have this belonging to God, you can belong to family. So First John says that we share and enjoy life together. And it says that if we walk in light together, we have unbroken fellowship. The type of fellowship that we see with Adam and Eve and God before the fall, which we all long for. And then in Acts 2.42, it says their hearts were mutually linked. So we see that if we live into our relationship with Jesus, if we live into this belonging relationship, we will share and enjoy life together. We will share unbroken fellowship with one another, and we will have hearts that are mutually linked. We belong to God, and we belong to family. We can transform communities. Tony Evans, a theologian, writes, we can't act like only children, being independent. Where even Jesus started the, the, the prayer that he taught his disciples with, our Father, not my Father. So I want to share with you guys a principle that I learned um, just from some of my education about traditional and functional family. Everybody say traditional. Everybody say functional. Traditional family is your blood relatives. It is um, those who are in your family tree, if you will. So Jesus came from the bloodline of 
Jesus came from the bloodline of David. That was his traditional family. You can look in the Bible and you can see his traditional family lineage. And the blessing of life is that we, we, God blesses through the traditional family. We see the blessing of God coming, starting even from Abraham, but we also see that God curses through the traditional family tree. And we see the realities of that. And some of us, we, if I'm honest, I'll, I'll just talk about myself and not you guys. There are some generational curses that I've had to break. There are some generational things that got passed down to me that my father struggled with, that my, that my, that my father's father struggled with, even though we don't even really know who he is. And God blesses and he curses through the traditional family. But there's also a functional family. The functional family is are the people in your life that aren't your blood relatives, but they're your family. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Around my parts, we call them unk. So everybody's your, everybody's your unk. People show up to the family gatherings, and you're like, that's not our real relative, but they come and they eat, they act like they're, they act like they're friends, right? They act like they're family. And so for me, that was probably one of the biggest blessings of my life, traditional family. I've never met either one of my grandfathers before. Both of my parents grew up in one-parent households, so I don't, know a, I don't know a traditional grandfather. But there have been men in my life who have poured into me that have been spiritual grandfathers to me, if you will. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? And so I want to I just share with you guys really quickly, especially as a church, how you guys can live into this principle, be blessed as a traditional family, but there's something that we see that Jesus does Jesus' mom and his brothers come to visit him, and he's teaching, and he says, pointing to his disciples, he says, here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother, my sister, and my mother. Number one, we see that Jesus elevates the functional family. He's not denigrating the traditional family. We know that that is a reality. We see even in Deuteronomy the blessing that God wants to give through the lineage of the traditional family, but God elevates the functional family. Look no further than Acts. He wants us to live into the heavenly reality even as we live with our earthly family, our traditional family here. Number two, functional family. Jesus always discipled out of a functional family relationship. He always discipled. Think about the 12 guys that he discipled. They were his family. He literally said it in the Bible. But you can see that they lived together. They ate together. And the version of discipleship that God is calling us to is not one where it's like, hey, I'm going to see you on Sunday. I'll see you on Sunday. I'll see you next Sunday. But hey, let's get together on Tuesday. Let's pray together Wednesday morning. Hey, I'm going to call and check up on you. And that is the type of relationship that Jesus had with his disciples. He always discipled out of a functional family relationship. And last but not least, we desperately need spiritual moms and dads. The world, teenagers, college students, they desperately need spiritual moms and dads. Sometimes in the church, because of uh, this is personal experience and talking to people, there sometimes feels like there can be this disconnect between generations and I, I just know that God has called us as a church to belong together in such a way that, that college students, high school students, middle school teachers, middle school students need spiritual moms and dads to come into their life. Their home life may be not that great. And they need people to love 
on them. And I believe that's what you guys have been talking about this, this summer, the one another's. The one another's can really only be lived out if you consider each other functional family. How else will you love one another? How else will you share in each other's possessions? How else will you guys pray for each other? How else will you accept each other? How else will you comfort each other unless you were in a functional family and you consider everyone in this space functional family? Belong to God belong to family, and then last but not least, belong to the world. The Bible tells us that Jesus prayed. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but you protect them from the evil one. They are not of this world, even as I am not of it. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Paul then writes that we are ambassadors of the anointed one who carry a message to the world, that we are tenderly pleading with the world. God is tenderly pleading to the world through our lips, come back and be in relationship with me. And it sounds a little bit confusing, but here's a couple principles. We are in this world. Can I get an amen, anybody? Sometimes we would love to escape this world. Sometimes we would love to get up out of here. But the truth is, while we are here, we are in this world. It's not a reality that we can just get out. But as we are in the world, God calls us not to conform to the patterns of this world. So we are one in the world, but there are, there are, uh, there's a culture of this world that God is calling for us not to live in. So we are called to be connected to the world, but we are not called to be of this world. The Bible says that we are ambassadors. Ambassadors are people that come that know that their home is not where they're residing in. Amen, anybody? This world is not my home. I just come as a representative of the Holy One. The Bible says that we are resident aliens. The Bible says that we are foreigners. See, we are in this world, but we are not of this world. And here's the truth. The world needs to hear this message. There's a lost and there's a broken world that needs to hear the message. There are teens, there are children that need to hear the message that God so loved you. That he gave his only son. His only son lived a perfect life. The one that you could never live. He died a sacrificial or a substitutionary death. The one that you received, he took on the cross for you, and he rose again from the grave. He has the power to help you overcome the situations that you go through. The world needs to hear this message. So we are in the world, but we are not of this world. We are called to give the message to the world. Just for one second, Zach, you can bring the band up. I believe that God is calling us to have this sort of relationship with him, that it changes us, it transforms us. I believe that he's calling for us to have this sort of relationship with traditional and functional family where we come together and we really live out the one another's. And I believe that he's calling for us to belong to the world in such a way that we are in it, but we know we are not of it, but we really do carry a message to the world. I just want to share with you guys, our God is a God of journey. And so if you're not there this morning, or maybe you are there, or maybe God has shown you some places or some areas in your life this morning where you are not connected to the right things, or maybe you are alone, or maybe you, God is placing someone on your heart that he wants you to enfold into the functional family. 
I just want to share you, with you guys, our God is a God of the becoming. I don't know if you guys saw it or not, but it says that however we are not, we are God's children right now. Everybody say right now. But it's not yet apparent what we will become. And John is talking about a future hope when we see Jesus, but it has present implications because our God loves us so much that he won't let us just remain the same as we are until we get to heaven. He sent his son to die. And then after his son died, 40 days later, he sent his Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit empowers us to live the life that God has called for us to receive. And so for you guys, I want you to know that this is something that the church needs to come into together and that God will be with you in the midst of that process. It's been 10 years since I acknowledged Jesus as Savior and Lord because my mom and my dad were not able to love me because they never had a father to actually love them. I've had to overcome significant amount of struggles. And I've watched God and I've seen God bring me into new freedom after new freedom, after new freedom. And I'm blessed to tell you guys that I'm really only here because of Larry Latham and people like you. Faithful people that showed up to church. Faithful people that understood what it meant to belong to God. What it meant to bring people into a functional family. What it meant to tell people about who God is. And so in many ways, I am where I am because of the church. And I believe that that's everybody's story. But I know that in these days where the world is a crazy place, we really need a church that's crazier. We, we really need a church that's crazy passionate, that's as reckless as Jesus is about being in the world and loving those of the world. And so I want to tell you guys, you can do it. Can I pray for you? Father, I thank you so much. that you are a God that loves us so much. That you made a way for us to have a relationship with you. And you made a way for us to have unbroken, unhindered fellowship with each other. And so God, I pray, I thank you that you don't leave us to this alone. That you don't leave us to loving you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbor as ourselves on our own, but you sent your Holy Spirit to help us to come into this reality that we are your children now. But it's not yet present what we will become. And so, God, I pray for this church, for Real Life Community, God, that they would be so entwined in a personal relationship with you that it would overflow and meet the needs of all the church members here, the ones that will be here later on today, the ones that are not here, and that there would just be an outpouring of love and fellowship within the space, but also that would just outpour into this community, that it would outpour in the region and it would outpour in the world, and we know that it, we cannot do it on our own. And so, one, we ask that you would come. But also we ask that as you do that, God, that we would continue to give you all the glory because you have all the power and authority to make it happen. So God, thank you for this morning. I pray that the word would go forth and that you would help us with whatever the Holy Spirit is laying on our hearts this morning to move forward as we belong to you, belong to each other, and belong to the world. It's in your name we pray these things. Amen.
stand and worship together.
Amen. A couple quick announcements before you go. They'll be up on the screen. Uh, these cards on the seat, the Back to School Blitz, um, you'll see there's a bunch of stuff on there. We decided that the Back to School Fair, um, while it's a great event, schools just didn't need what we were providing anymore. And we asked a bunch of homeschool resource um, guidance counselors and stuff like that what students need. And, and this is the list they gave us. And so we're collecting donations with these things. Um, there's a box over here on this side. It's literally called The Box. Yeah, easy to remember, right? All your donations can go there. We would love to partner with you in this way. The second thing is the youth ministry is doing a block party uh, for students and families. It gives you guys a chance to check out the ministry um, and see what we do on Sunday nights. So if you have a 6th through 12th grade student and you want to join them on August 14th, it's a great opportunity to see what we do and connect with us. So, we love you. See you next week. Woo! Yeah, thanks for coming. <laughs>